Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast weekly sermon podcast. Due to the coronavirus crisis, we're holding church services online until further notice, and we encourage you to join us. Tune in on Sundays at one of our four online broadcast times, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 3 p.m., or 8 p.m. For info and updates, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at New Life SoCo and visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's an encouraging word. Uh, welcome to another broadcast. I'm glad you tuned in today. We're going to continue to talk about living a spirit-filled life. I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to grab a notepad or something you take notes with so we can continue to grow in our understanding of the will of God for our lives is to live a spirit-filled life. And so we're going to be in the book of Acts, which is basically the acts of the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascended to heaven. And, he's in, and in the Spirit came and empowered the believers to take the mission forward. And that same Spirit that was with them wants to be with us today in, in, this, in this context of life. And so Acts chapter 2, uh, before we read it, I like to pray together. Let's, let's take a moment, bow our heads exactly where we are, and let's ask the Spirit of God to come and speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We open our hearts. We open our minds. We want to receive you. We want to welcome you and allow you to have your way in us, but also have your way through us. So speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. You know, I I encourage you to maybe do a, a chicken elbow with someone next to you. Just welcome them as we would do if we were here in service. So the Bible says this in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, let's stop there for a second. Pentecost was a Jewish festival that would take place. um, And it was a time to celebrate new crops and new beginnings. And Pentecost took place about 50 days after Jesus had been crucified. And so now there's been uh, about 10 days since Jesus ascended back to heaven, and he had promised that the Holy Spirit will come. Just so to give you some, some context of where we are in this, in this setting. So verse 2 says, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other language or tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. And the reason for this is that Pentecost and Passover would attract people from all over that would converge to Jerusalem to celebrate together. And then in verse 7, he says, they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, which all the original disciples were from. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Now we're going to jump down to verse 12. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? 
they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. You know, I, I want to start right in that place right there because I find it fascinating that some people were blown away that the Spirit of God had just fell on these disciples, which was about 120 of them at this time. And then some said, nah, they're just drunk. I find it fascinating because 2,000 years later, you get the same responses, right? You get some people who are, man, this is amazing. God's Spirit is at work. You know, I'm being blessed. And then there's a group of people who make fun, mock, you know, look down, you know, call us crazy, you know. And so I find encouragement in that, my friends, that there's nothing new under the sun. There's always going to be different uh, understanding of what God is doing. And people are going to respond in different ways. I actually came across uh, a quote by Albert Einstein who said, there's two types of people, those who see miracle in everything and those who would never be able to see a miracle in anything. My prayer is that we are the ones who are choosing to see the presence of God. We're choosing to see the Spirit of God at work in our lives and around us. Because, my friends, believing in the things of God is a choice. We all have to choose to believe. You know, we can see something amazing happen. We can attribute it as a miracle or we can try to dismiss it. But my prayer is that we are believers. Can you say amen? exactly where you are. And so, my friends, the Holy Spirit comes about 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus and about 10 days after he had ascended back to to heaven. And a couple of observations here, my friends, is that God does things the way that God wants to do them and in the time that he wants to do them. And that the Spirit of God comes in many ways and He chooses how He wants to come. And so what we can learn from the first believers is to learn to wait on His will. Wait on His timing and wait on how He wants to come and manifest Himself in our lives. Because He's not always going to come according to our expectations, right? And He's always not going to fit into our mold. And so it's, it's, it's critical that I learned to trust God's timing. I learned to trust God's ways that sometimes my ways are not his ways. My thoughts are not his thoughts. And so I need to align myself. So I believe that the reason why there had to be a period of time of waiting, I think is for us to align ourselves with his heart, align ourselves with his will. So there's always going to be a waiting period when we're waiting on the things of God. Right? And so for them, it was literally 50 days of meeting together, praying together, believing together until the Spirit of God broke and came in a way that none of them expected for it to happen. I believe some things happens in the waiting. In the waiting, I believe, is where we're dying to ourselves. In the waiting is where we're dying to the flesh, which is uh, contrary to the things of God. In the waiting, I'm dying to my selfishness. I'm dying to my ego. I'm dying to my pride. In the waiting, I'm dying to my own expectations of God's will for my life. I believe a lot of carnal things that don't belong to God's people dies in the process of waiting. 
right? It's in the waiting that I learned to have patience. I learned to trust God. I learned to trust His timing. I learned to trust His will. And I learned to trust the way that He wants to do what He wants to do. See, when the Spirit of God came upon the first believers, they had to figure out how to put this into words. How do you put into words this supernatural experience, right? And so Luke, like I told you last week, who is the author of this book, who was doing research on the first believers, you know, as I would imagine him talking to these first believers, and they're trying to put into words how the Spirit first came upon them. And there's two words that he uses here to kind of try to explain this supernatural phenomenon. And he says it was like a mighty storm, like a mighty wind that rushed through this place, this upper room area that they were in praying, and that it came down like tongues of fire. Again, how do you put into words when you experience something supernatural? I think we all have been there, right? When we had moments and experiences that you're like, man, I don't know how to explain what just happened, but I can't deny what just happened, right? Like I, I know for me, when the Spirit of God first came upon me when I was 20 years old, I was sitting in the back of a, of a, of a chapel and not even really thinking about the things of God. And all of a sudden, I felt for the first time God speaking to me and says, you're living in vain. And all I remember after that was just, I was sobbing like a little baby, realizing the nature of my sinfulness and also the need for God's grace and love. I can't put it into words what I experienced that day. All I know is something supernatural happened on the inside of me that caused me to go to my knees to worship God and to surrender my life to Him. And so imagine being in that moment where there's this, all of a sudden you're praying and you feel like this mighty storm, this rushing wind has flown through you. It's almost like, if you ever like lost you build it to breathe and you catch your breath and you go like, oh man, that was, I don't know what just happened, right? Can you imagine that? Like that's how the Spirit of God came upon these first believers, right? And they felt like this, this, this move of the Spirit that just was just so overwhelming that it's like, man, it's like a storm that just came through this place. And then, and then it was like a fire. And amazingly, throughout the Bible, the Bible writers always tries to give you some kind of words or some kind of context to try to understand the supernatural things of God. And wind is one of those symbols that you see throughout scriptures. For example, in Genesis chapter 1 in creation, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over creation as God was speaking creation into existence. The word wind is the same word for breath and it's the same word for spirit. And then if you go to Genesis chapter 2, it tells you that God, when God created Adam and Eve, he breathed into them the breath of life, the spirit of life. Right? How awesome is that? That when you're breathing, you're saying spirit. And when you're breathing, basically, you are breathing the presence of God. You know? And if you go on, you see it throughout scriptures. For example, in Ezekiel, uh, the prophecy of these dead bones coming to life. And he says that, that the spirit comes and breathe over the, the, the dry bones and make them come back to life. And my friends, I believe that's what God wants to do in us Right now, he wants to breathe fresh life into us. He wants to breathe fresh hope into us, fresh power into us, a renewal of life. That's what I, I believe the Spirit of God comes to do. It's the, he comes to breathe life and hope and healing and strength into our lives. 
You know, even Jesus, when he was speaking to one of the religious leaders of his time, was asking him, how are you doing these things that you're doing? And Jesus was trying his best to explain, again, the supernatural. And Jesus even used the wind as an illustration. In John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus says this to this man, Nicodemus, this religious Pharisee who was, he was again one of those who were perplexed, like, man, how are you doing all this stuff? And Jesus said this, the wind blows wherever he wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit, right? Once again, here we are trying to put words into something that is supernatural. That's why some people make fun. That's why some people mock because it's like it doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense because you have to go beyond just the physical Jesus is saying. This is a spiritual thing, right? We are, we are spiritual beings and we are physical beings. And the two converge when the Spirit of God comes and reveals himself to us, right? And then the Bible says that this weird picture of this tongues of fire that came upon these first believers. Fire, my friends, is another way that the Bible writers try to give you uh, understanding of how the Spirit of God works in our lives. See, fire comes to purify, right? Fire comes to purge, right? Fire comes to cleanse. And so, my friends, the Spirit of God doesn't just come to give us power. The Spirit of God comes to also to bring purity to our lives. He comes to purge things away from us. He comes to purge all the stuff that's not of God's will. You see, it purges in order for us to be useful to God. Just like for you to get uh, uh, gold, you, the, 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 the gold has to go through this refiner's fire to get purified, to remove all the draws so we can actually have a pure gold. And that's what God wants to do with all the believers, to purify us, to purge us from the things of the world, to make us clean in his sight so, he can, so we can be holy and righteous and, and be able to be useful in his hands. And so, listen, sometimes you're talking to someone or you hear something, you say, man, that's fire. Right? And we say, man, that's dope. Right? Think about that for a second. That's why sometimes when you're hearing a message, you say, oh, man, that was fire. Why? Because it's the Spirit of God that speaks life right, into the words that we're speaking. Right? We don't want to just be people who are just saying mere words. We want to speak people. We want to be people that speaks with fire. Right? We want to speak with conviction. We want to be able to say, wow, man, that was deep. That was powerful. It's exactly what I needed. And I believe this is what the Spirit of God comes to do. It comes to rest on you in such a way that your words become powerful, right? That your actions become powerful, right? That your decisions become powerful, right? And, and, and here's the thing. It doesn't have to happen the way it happened to the first believers because God always does something unique. But I believe this, wherever you are, if you continue to ask God to fill you with the Spirit, listen, you're going to experience some type of newness of life, some type of wind that's going to come upon you. And you're going to be able to experience fire, removing things away from you, cleansing you, healing you, restoring you, purging you until you begin to look more and more like Him, like Jesus, right? Because they say the refiner's fire knows that He has pure gold when He can look at the gold and see His reflection. And that's what God wants. Wants. He wants to purify us to the place that he can see himself in us. And so again, the Spirit of God comes as a wind and he comes as a fire. And here in this context, the Spirit of God gave them the ability to speak in different languages. Now think about that. Here they are in the middle of Jerusalem, in the middle of, of Pentecost, 
who that a festival that would attract people from all over, so many different nations would converge into one place. And God gives them the ability to be able to speak in a way that others can understand. How awesome is that, right? That God will come upon you and empower you to be able to be his witness in a way that others can understand his goodness and his grace. And the Bible says they were praising God in a language that others were like, man, that's that's, that's our language. How can they be able to speak our language? Because the Spirit of God comes to empower you to speak in a way that's going to bless others, to speak in a way that's going to help heal others. Now, there's two types of languages uh, speaking in tongues that the Bible talks about in the next few weeks. I'll talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But for now, I just want you to understand this, that when, when the Bible talks about in context of us being able to speak new languages, first of all, it's for others to be able to understand. One of the greatest compliments that I get when I preach is when I hear people who are not in the church say, oh, that makes sense. Oh, now I get it. Now I understand. Why? Because my prayer every time I try to preach is that this is going to help somebody out there who doesn't think they can do the things of God, who doesn't think that they belong in the things of God. Because a lot of times when it comes to church, when it comes to religious things, we make it so complicated, we make it so complex that the, the, the regular person out there who is looking for God sometimes gets lost in translation. And so my prayer is God always give me the ability to be practical, ability to be open and genuine and real so others can see you, others can hear you, others can have an encounter with you. Believers out there, make that your prayer. It's not just about speaking in tongues, uh, you know, in a way to just communicate with God, but it's speaking in a way that can also help the regular person that you're meeting with every single day. Because the Bible even tells you that speaking in tongues, the angelic tongues is about you and God. That's just a personal thing that God gives you to edify yourself. But being able to be relevant and speaking to people, that's the ability that God wants to give all believers to be able to interpret the things of God in a way that others can say, oh, I get it too, right? Because Jesus is not a secret to be kept, right? Jesus is for everyone out there who is looking for him. So again, I'll talk about the, the gifts of the Spirit in the next few weeks. But just understand this, that the Spirit of God comes, first of all, to help you be a witness to others and then to also edify your individual life. So for now, I'll just tell you this. In the book of Corinthians, if you want to, you can go and see a little bit more about the gifts of the Spirit, the different gifts that the Spirit comes to give to the believers. But I can just tell you this. Uh, in Corinthians 12, 11, it says this. It is, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. But remember this. Whatever gift the Spirit of God gives you is to bless others is to be able to help other people connect with him. Again, more on the spiritual gifts in the near future. But for now, understand this. The Spirit of God came upon the first believers so they will be able to be witnesses of God's goodness to all people. And then he comes to build you personally, comes to empower you, to let you know you are a child of God. You have confidence in him. You can have faith in him. Your life can be built up in him. And then you can be useful in his hands. So today, my friends, as we wrap up, my action steps are once again, keep asking for the Holy Spirit. Just like the first believers kept showing up for 50 days, praying and believing that the Spirit of God was going to come upon them. Wherever you are, keep asking for the Spirit. Keep pushing. 
Keep believing. Keep pressing. Don't settle for, for a life less than what the Spirit of God has for you. The second thing is keep reading the book of Acts because it shows you how the Spirit of God moved then and how He wants to move today, right? And get into a crew so you can talk to other believers about the Holy Spirit and to see what He wants to do in and through your life. And for some of you, You've been watching. It's been resonating with you. It's been speaking to you. I encourage you, join the mission. You know, join the mission. Just like these guys, they had a mission. And the mission is simple. It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel and tell people about Jesus. And here in New Life, you know, we believe in working in teams. We believe in working in unity. So when you join the mission, you become part of the teams. You become part of what we want to do here. Even, even though we are not gathering as one body right now, but from where you are, you can still join the mission and you can still make a difference. You know, and lastly, for some of you, you haven't trusted in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. You haven't surrendered your life to him. You know, as you continue to read the book of Acts, you, you see right here in Acts chapter 2 that in order to receive the Holy Spirit, you have to repent. You have to say, I don't want to live life in my own power. I don't want to live life in my own will. I need the Spirit of God to come upon my life. Jesus is the only one qualified to save us. When Peter preached the first message after the Spirit came, he says, there's no other name in heaven which you can be saved. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus himself who died for your sins, rose again, and now lives forever. And he wants you to live forever with him. And he wants you to be part of his family called the church. So where you are right now, I encourage you, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, let's do that right now. We can pray together from exactly where you are. I believe by faith right now, God's speaking to so many of you out there. And I encourage you, take this moment and invite Jesus to come into your life to be the Lord and Savior of your life. So I'm going to lead you into this prayer. And I want you to pray with me. You know, the Bible says if you believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, He will come and save you from your sins and give you new life. So pray with me where you are. I'm going to give you this prayer and I want you to pray with me. Even I encourage you, lift your hands to say, Lord, I'm open to what you want to do in my life. And so right now, let's pray. We say, Father, we heard your message today. And we want to invite Jesus to come into our lives. Would you personalize that? Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to live in the fullness of your will. I want to trust you to forgive me, to empower me, and to make me new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.